Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Cowboys Talk, the Dallas Cowboys discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. This is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and let's welcome back Wiley, a.k.a. the Venomous Stare. What's going on, Wiley? Well, a, another week, another tepid Cowboys game that is either or that is neither exciting nor entertaining. And even when they win, they don't really do so in a way that inspires any confidence or makes you feel good about the future or anything. This was merely a win against a team that was dead on arrival. <laughs> so I guess you can say this was one of those meaning meaningless, very lucky wins that ultimately is not going to change anything, right? That's exactly right. But the truly disgraceful thing about this game was... Here you had a Bengals team that was the worst team in the league last year. They get Joe Burrow, and the Cowboys, when you look at the schedule at the beginning of the year, they get to say, oh, the cool, they get to face Joe Burrow, very exciting player. And, of course, about 600 pounds of humanity came into Joe Burrow's knee the wrong way, and he's out for the year, maybe even a little bit of next year. So the Cowboys played a joke team that didn't really have any weapons other than Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon's hurt, Joe Burrow's hurt, their best two players, A.J. Green's over the hill, and their defense is bad. So the Cowboys, this was one of those easy wins, but considering how hot Washington and the Giants are, it was rather inconsequential. It was, and to be honest, in my case, the most surprising thing is the fact that the Cowboys forced three fumbles, okay? And what's amazing is that they did it early in the game, and yet they were, and what's here's even an even bigger surprise, Wiley, and I'm sure this surprised you as well. The Cowboys were able to score points off those turnovers because that's something you don't see very often, especially not this year. I agree, and of course, it was somewhat interesting to see that Gio Bernard was the guy who coughed it up, a guy who hasn't fumbled since 2013. He was the guy who gave up the first one, and overall. The thing that really sticks out to me about this Cowboys game is they didn't look good. The Bengals just looked bad. The Bengals looked like a team that was going to win three or four games with Burrow. And without Burrow, they looked like, what do you know, the worst team in the league. And without Mixon, they really didn't have any way to move the ball except for Tyler Boyd. And they are so inept on offense that they made even the Cowboys' atrocious defense look somewhat passable. But a lot of these errors that the Bengals made were sort of like goofy, fluky, like Gio Bernard having basically a guy's right arm come in when he wasn't looking. And uh, this isn't the sort of victory that you look at and say, wow, 30-7, to they're back, the boys are back, they're going to reel off a bunch of wins and go 7-9. and nine. It's not the kind of win that you sit there and say, wow, Dalton really looked like he's the future, he's going to be able to carry us into the fucking forever. No, this is simply two terrible teams and one was more banged up than the other. So even though this game was a nice win and the biggest margin of victory the Cowboys will have all year, it doesn't really mean anything at all. To be honest, I was very disappointed that we won because if you've been listening to me on the last few episodes, I want... The main thing on my mind right now is the... 2021 NFL Draft. More specifically, a spot in the top five draft picks, okay? And before that game, we were fourth. 
Now, after winning, we dropped down to six, but since somehow the Chargers and the Eagles both managed to win, I felt that it would put us back to fourth, but we're actually back in fifth, okay? So if we exactly so if we can lose out the rest of the season, then maybe it'll put us back up there. But at this point, you know, since the 49ers are coming to town and the 49ers are pretty terrible, I mean, it's it's unlikely it's unlikely to change. I mean, right now at this point, as far as the draft goes, you know, in, in the last episode I talked about this. If somehow, some way, we can convince the Jets to give us Trevor Lawrence, that would probably be the steal of the century. And we'll get to that in a bit. I'll explain to you how the scenario goes, but. Right now, the Cowboys have the fifth uh, spot, and Patrick Certain, the second, the cornerback from Alabama, is poised to be the pick. Well, if you look at the Cowboys winning this game, it's part of why it's such an uninspired, awful win. Is they're not playing for anything. With the Giants and Skins heating up, the 6-10 and 10 divisional title dream is dead. And to be honest, this was a loss. I know they won by 23 points, but... If you look at the context and the actual outcome of this game, this hurt the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not a guy who is ever like tank or go for draft picks, but at this point in the season, they're mathematically not going to make it. And there's absolutely a zero, and not even a minute like .001 chance, but an absolute zero chance they do any damage in the playoffs. So to play for that was a complete waste of time. And I think that... This Bengals, I mean, this Bengals game was a real fucking hatchet job. And it was just disgusting because, yeah, they won, but it was sort of like the Bengals just threw up all over themselves. Cowboys didn't look good. Zeke looked abominable, as usual. Terrible. Like, he didn't try. And don't tell me he's been, he was banged up. He's looked the exact same form all season. And that's something that, with the huge contract they gave Zeke, is going to wear on Cowboy, the Cowboys and their fans for the next few years because this is a guy who clearly stopped trying as soon as he got paid. And this season, if you look at Zeke's average rush yards per game, it's significantly lower this season than it has been ever before. It's like 65. It's a shame, too. He gets paid. He doesn't do anything with it. It seems like it's going to go down as one of the worst investments ever made in Cowboys history. But oh, it's horrible. The exciting, there was an exciting play in this game, and that's when um, Alan Smith had that, uh, I think it was uh, an 82-yard uh, fumble return. What's exciting about that is, you know, this was the longest uh, fumble return since uh, 1999 when Greg Ellis had a 98-yard fumble return. So it, it was great to see that. And, you know, and Alan Smith is really the guy that everybody has to talk about. I mean, I, I'm proud of him, honestly. And honestly, a lot of people... We're just souring the hell on him, you know. We're like, oh, what, what a waste of a, what a stupid signing. This guy's been playing five years. What good is he to us? And I kept urging people, look, don't judge the book by the cover. Let's let him show us what he's got for us. And this season, he's done a hell of a job showing us that he has passion for the game. Still, he's motivated, he's focused, and most of all, he's in damn good shape. So one of the first things to do this off season is re-sign the guy. Well, the Cowboys really don't have many pieces at all, so. If anyone even has a little bit of talent, then they're probably going to get a pretty big offer because this is a defense that really has nothing to build on except Demarcus Lawrence, whose sole contribution to every game is his pro football focus rating. It's amazing to me how that, that guy can be highly rated by pro football focus and do nothing every game. 
It kind of looks like Van Der Esch has lost a step since his last injury. He's merely mediocre now. Maybe it's because everyone else is horrible. It's hard to say, but to me, uh, Jalen Smith looks average, and these are supposed to be like the anchors of the defense. And then the last remaining lineman in the entire secondary is garbage, so it's just going to be a huge disappointment next season and the following seasons because you're going to have a lot of idiots calling for Dak Prescott to come back as though that'll fix everything. There are a plethora of dim-witted Cowboys fans who actually think if Dak hadn't gotten hurt this year, they would have won the division and actually been able to get close to the Super Bowl. And what I think you're going to see is another season of awful Dak. And hopefully it's just a one-year deal and not a long-term deal. But considering the season's over, it's something we have to consider looking forward is what is the next season going to look like. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. And quite frankly, speaking of Dak Prescott, he's very lucky if the Cowboys offer him a tag. And you know what? If I were him, I would accept that tag because, you know what? Quite frankly, he still hasn't proved that he deserves such the blockbuster deal that he feels he deserves so much. And my previous guest, Josh McSwain, he fully agrees with everything you've said, everything that we've said about Dak Prescott not being an elite quarterback, being totally overrated, okay? He suggested, because as we know, Wiley, Trevor Lawrence has made it crystal clear that he has no desire to play for the New York Jets. So Josh strongly suggested, what if the Cowboys franchise tag Dak one more time, offer to trade him to the Jets along with this year's first-round pick and next year's first-round pick in order to acquire Trevor Lawrence. How would you feel if, the, if that happened? Well, obviously that would be phenomenal, but I think that's a laughable pipe dream. I don't think that uh, there's any chance of that happening. In fact, I think the Cowboys could give way more than that, and they still would not give up the pick. I don't really think that him saying he wants to play in New York matters all that much, and the Cowboys are in a spot where a lot of idiots, especially like in the front office, just believe in Dak. I don't know why. So I think what you're going to see is another season, at least, ruined by Dak. And as a Cowboy fan, you really just have to hope that they don't dump the money truck on this guy because it'll be another like five years of misery. You know, at this point, I really believe that there's no way they're, they're going to be able to resign him because... As we've discussed before, he was off offered numerous deals, all of which were more than reasonable. And being arrogant and kind of selfish that he apparently has been has been acting, he soured on all of them. Okay, a lot of fans. You know what? If you hate me for saying this, well, tough luck. I'm just telling the damn truth. Okay, for him to know that he has not accomplished really anything, and for him to de demand you know such high caliber top Hollywood star like money, and you know. And for him to claim that he's a, quote, a play a team player, no. No, 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 no. I do not want that kind of player. I mean, honestly, the Cowboys shouldn't have to tolerate this kind of uh, behavior. If he feels like he wants more, you know what? I say let him walk. Let him go, let him go try his luck in, in, in the free agent market, okay? Because I really doubt that there's any team that's going to pay him that kind of money. Okay? I agree. The one thing that sticks out to me was with the injury, he might be willing to, like, take a discount or the market might be way lower. But honestly... It's just sort of like a giant piano hanging over the head of the Dallas Cowboys is the stack situation. And it seems that if they sign him to a long-term deal, boom, that piano, that, that rope is going to start to break, and eventually, bam, it falls right on our head, we're fucking screwed, right? Well, as soon as they sign him, the piano falls, but 
it's just really bothersome that you could have a quarterback who ate this much shit for such a consistent long period of time and you're just fucking sitting there with an idiot fan base who's like, hmm, maybe another year is what we need. It's just a, you know, one more year. It's like, no, like it's not one more year. Like that's not the solution. To even suggest that is just like really, really dim and sort of dishonest. You'd have to be you would you would have to be someone who is not only like a, a good football fan, but someone who's just sort of an idiot in general to actually think that a Dak again, oh uh, something's gonna change. Best line in the league, best back in the league, great receiving core, solid defense, absolute garbage. But then suddenly the line gets way worse and things in general go downhill and you're sort of sitting there like, well, now that the team's worse and Dak is coming off of significant injury, maybe now is the time when Dak would be good. And, and you're just sort of sitting there like, well, if he sucked whenever he was on a great team, then what the fuck do you think is going to happen whenever things get worse? Like he actually had some pieces to work with and now he doesn't. It's just disgusting. You know, and ex- this is exactly right. I mean, how many times do, do you and me, how many times do we have to explain it crystal clear? I get it. Everybody loves Dak. He's a, okay, he's a great guy. He's a very nice guy. But the problem is, folks, it's not whether he's a, he's a douchebag, whether he's a very humble, nice guy. The problem is the results on the gridiron is not giving us what we need. It's not helping us win. It's not making us Super Bowl material, okay? Or yeah, I don't give a shit about his personality. Yeah, well, that's what like, it's about. It's not about his goddamn personality. It's about winning, of it's, course. It's about winning. It's about results on the field. And we're not getting the results that we're looking for, okay? Look, I'm sorry. What started out good in Prescott's case has obviously not turned has not turned out so well, okay? And if, if you guys want to talk about a change on offense, the first thing that needs to be changed on offense is Kellen Moore needs to give up the goddamn playing play calling duties, okay? Oh, he needs to be fired completely. He has proven himself to be dim and worthless. I mean, at this point, if he's fired or not, I don't care. But if he's not calling the plays, that's what's going to make me feel better, okay? Well, what is he going to do as an offensive coordinator that doesn't call plays? Get coffee? Give me a break. I mean, he's, he can, he can learn under uh, Mike McCarthy. I'm sure learn that can help him. What is you have to consider like what does McCarthy have to teach? This is a guy that looks really clueless and out of touch and like I think after you shit can more and you get rid of Dak, maybe uh, you know, how much time is McCarthy gonna get? Like twenty games? That's how much time that I think he's gonna get starting at the beginning of next year. You get a one one whole more season, and then probably like half of the next if things are still really bad. So uh, you suggesting that Kellen Moore gets fired? Do you have any names uh, suggestions that that the Cowboys can replace him with? No, but there are there are a plethora of options. It's not exactly one of these things that is unsolvable, or there aren't any choices like. I'm not going to run down a list of names because they could poach 10 different guys. They could go into the college ranks. They could promote from within. But what we have to consider is this is the Dallas Cowboys. They have the most pull of any football team in the entire world. So the idea that, you know, it's like an issue 
to be able to get people to show up or like people how are we going to get people to come coach the Dallas Cowboys like it's a dream job it's like managing the Yankees so yeah like I don't think it'll be an issue to find someone talented and I don't think I need to like ostentatiously list 15 names because more is just shit and really you could go with a completely average guy or just let McCarthy take it over and it would be better. He's just completely clueless. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there, there you go. Exactly. So, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, at this point, we're better off with Mike McCarthy calling the plays. But, you know, I swear to you, Wiley, and I am not blowing smoke up your ass, but there was a few articles that said that Jerry Jones has, quote, considered firing himself from the GM position. I'm just going to say it right out of the blue. I believe it's a hoax because, you know what? He has done this for over 25 freaking years. What makes what makes everybody think that all of a sudden now he decides to say, you know what, I need to bring in somebody to be a GM. I need to step down from this. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, if it did... Yeah, don't, it would, don't get your hopes up yeah, for that, dude. No. Jesus. I mean, if, if it does, then... I don't know how that... What the hell happened? How the hell he, he, he finally decided to do that? But, no. There is no way in hell that Jerry Jones is going to fire himself. The, the man's no. ego is not going to let him do it. Yeah, of course. Every Cowboy fan for the last 30 years has been saying that. Yeah, But now, realistically speaking, since we're t- going to look at the the draft, if there's a player that I really want the Cowboys to have, it's the offensive tackle from the University of Oregon, uh, Panay Sewell, because while we always need players on defense... One of the things that we need to start working on is we need to rebuild the offensive line so we can rebuild protection for the quarterback and for the running game. Isn't it just so disgusting? Like, as a, as a hardcore football fan, it really is, like, sickening on, like, a deep, visceral level to, to, to hear that statement and know it's true. We need to rebuild the line. What do we do with the best line in the league that we had for six years? Nothing. We gave it to Dak, and he threw at people's feet, and Normie fans who don't know shit about football were balls deep in his throat for four years because he's on Lee Soup commercials. He's, oh, he's tough. Oh, he's he's mom. He's mom grew up in a trailer park. I feel bad for him. I like him. What happened to winning? Do people not give a shit about winning anymore? All of a sudden, oh, Dak... Oh, he smiles. He's got that big smile. It's like people who support Dak and grovel and just slurp Dak constantly. It's like football and winning is not even in their top five of priorities, much less the very top priority, like for you and me. Obviously, winning really is all of it, as Billy Martin said. But for your average Dak defender, really what they're talking about when they defend him is his marketability. And how he's not as it's not as easy to rip Dak. Like you know how like the average idiot cowboy fan would just love to rip Romo? Like at, no matter what happened, it was always Romo's fault. Dak is the opposite of that. And I think a lot of that has to do with like media perception. I think people who spend a lot of time watching ESPN and stuff, those networks are often very light on Dak as far as their treatment of him, the very sort of uh they cut him a lot of slack, where it's really easy to bag on Romo and Jessica Simpson and all that shit, but people love to slurp Dak. And here's another sickening thought. You know, you remember when I mentioned that 
some people will describe Dak Prescott as a glorified team player. What a bunch of crap. What a bunch of stupid crap. It makes me want to throw up. If you want to talk about a guy who's a goddamn team player, a team player does not demand an excessive amount of money, okay? He does not make it all about himself. He takes discount deals because he knows that the team needs to have money to re-sign the players that he works out well with, okay? Dirk. Dirk Nowitzki, there you go. That's a, a team player right there. Tony Romo, who took numerous pay cuts to re-sign the offensive line. To help uh, guys, to help, you know... While his health was failing and his... Yeah. Well, Romo's health was failing, and his career was uncertain. And you're dead on, Alex. This idea that Dak is this extremely selfless, oh, he's a great guy. He's just so selfless. It's like, no, this is a guy who was offered the second most money in the league despite not being top 15, and he turned his nose up at it. And not only... Do you have idiots that say that crap about Dak being selfless that you pointed out, which a ton of people say, and it was a great point that you made. You also have the same cretins who say that fucking sit there and say that when Dak got hurt, oh, Jerry's a jerk. Now Dak is hurt. And and now that he's hurt, he doesn't have a big money deal he didn't deserve. What's going to happen to him? Yeah, guess what? That's what happens to athletes that turn the nose up at the second highest salary in the fucking game. That's what happens. You lack the security. And guess what? Because you lack the security, if Dak had actually carried the Cowboys to the playoffs this season, he would have been in for a big payday. And he might have even gotten a non-Cowboy team to pay him off. So to me, I don't feel bad for Dak at all. And I don't. I certainly don't like... Uh, like revel in his injury or I'm not happy he got hurt but you know it's sort of like you turned your nose up at the second most money in the league you're worse than Breeze you're worse than Ryan you're worse than Rogers you're worse than Roethlisberger I go on and on and on he's not even top 10 and it's not close he's not even fringe top 10 he wants number two money fraud greedy fraud oh I just is he so arrogant Oh, after losing to the Rams in the Super Bowl, I just want to get mine. I want to get paid. Yeah, and Cowboys fans want to see a winner. Dirk Nowitzki beat one of the most hyped NBA teams in history without another all-star on his team. And what did he do? He took pay cuts for nine years while Mark Cuban unloaded dump trucks of money on scum dumpsters like Wesley Matthews. And Dirk did everything he could to try to bring Dallas another championship and be selfless. What did Dak do? Well, I know I haven't won shit, and I know you're offering me the second most money, but I want number one money because I'm on the Campbell's commercials. I'm marketable. You know what's marketable? Winning. Winning. That's what people care about. Winning. How about you fucking win something before you ask for the most money in the league, Dak? Fucking bozo. Exactly. If you because what people don't understand, the more wins, the more money is being made. The more money is gonna end up in your pocket. If you don't win games, you don't deserve to be paid the high caliber money that you feel you deserve. You see, Wiley, what we all the things that we're explaining that is sports journalism. Okay, the duty is to do the damn research and tell the fucking truth. All right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't understand. I mean, look. I am not exaggerating with all the heat that I've gone for for us saying these things about Dak. Look, guys, I'm sorry, but how many times do I have to say, look, 
on a personal level, look, I do feel bad for the guy because you know what? If I were in his case, if I had if I had lost my mom to a disease at such a young age, it would affect me too. But look, set all that aside. Look. At the same time, it's it's like Wiley said. It's not about personal life. It's not about personality. It's about the results on the field, okay? And like I've said numerous times, we have not been getting the results that we're looking for. Okay, now granted, in 2018, Dak did come up clutch against in the, in the game against Seattle, okay? But the problem is, folks, Dak Prescott failed to build on it, okay? Was the Seattle game in the playoffs? Yes, it was the 24-22 win uh, where uh, Alan Hurd suffered that horrific uh, ankle injury which is oh yeah i remember that now yeah that was a clutch game i mean that we have that we have to give it to him okay that, that was a seattle team that was on the complete downswing and had lost every member of the legion of boom so that has to be worth noting mm-hmm. this wasn't like the top tier seattle team that we think of from 2014 it was a very flawed seattle team but since we were all some of those fans who were always on Prescott's case, Wiley, should we deny the fact that there's also all these fans on on Ezekiel Elliott's case as well? Because, you know, because there's also people making excuses for Ezekiel. Look, I get it. The offensive line sucks, okay? But you know what? When he's when he's breaking loose, he gets tackled from behind, he fumbles the ball. You do not blame that on the offensive line, okay? Zeke's failures have nothing at all to do with the line. In fact, I would actually criticize Zeke, even though we just spent 20 minutes bashing Dak. I would criticize Zeke 10 times more severely than I would criticize Dak. Because even though Dak is an inaccurate passer and a very flawed player, he's all, he always tries his best. And the thing that bothers me the most about Zeke Elliott is there has been a marketable downtick in effort the moment he got paid. And I think that's just disgraceful. And that's something that you can't really make an excuse for. And the, the clear difference in effort from Zeke Elliott has been apparent all year, and he's been bad all year. His inability to get 100 yards and be productive did not begin whenever the line got hurt. It's been occurring since opening snap. And it's something that just if you look at it with the eyeball test, Zeke is really bad. And he doesn't give a shit anymore, and it's very disgraceful, so... I'm just really disgusted with both of them. So if Zeke, quote, doesn't give a shit anymore, should the Cowboys trade him? No one will take on his contract. Well, that's the problem. So you know what? Zeke better start giving a shit because if we resign Tony Pollard, he's going to lose his starting job to Tony Pollard, okay? And quite frankly, Tony Pollard has earned the right to get more snaps than Ezekiel Elliott because Tony Pollard, while... His performance, unfortunately, hasn't been that great. You know what? Tony Pollard it's actually puts up Zeke's. an effort. Yes, he yeah. doesn't. He he makes sure he secures the ball correctly. You know, he Tony Pollard plays football basically. That that's the way to say it. He plays football. Well, I like Pollard as much as the next guy, but let me tell you something that Zeke Elliott is well aware of. The Cowboys have invested far too much into him monetarily to give up on him. So he's going to sit there and give seventy percent until. Whatever motivates him, motivates him. Whether it be like a playoff stretch drive or maybe McCarthy talks to him, but simply put, it's a disgrace. Mm-hmm. And Zeke is not going to just magically start trying, and the Cowboys literally cannot afford to bench him. So, yeah, I agree. Apology at more looks, but I mean, they're, the Cowboys are fucked. Like, 
this season has been so destructive for the Cowboys between basically losing. You took a, a line that a lot of people knew was top tier, and now you pretty much have to rebuild it, and you don't have a quarterback, and you have a running back under the worst contract in the league that no longer cares, and you have the worst defense in the league. This could legitimately be one of the worst teams in the league next year and for the next several years. You know, all that you say can be true, but if Ezekiel Elliott makes a statement once the season ends that he vows to, quote, come back better than ever, well, you know what? The first thing he's got to do is you have to show up to every single voluntary, whether it's voluntary, you know, minicamp, show up to all of them, okay? Unless, of course, you know, this whole, you know, pandemic crap, you know, prevents him from doing it. But it, I, my, my advice to him is this. You've, you want to, you vow to get better? Well, here's the deal, Zeke. There's, a, there's an old saying that goes like this. Actions speak louder than words. So take action and prove it. Well, in theory, I agree with you. But the fact of the matter is, is Zeke knows the situation he is in in terms of the contract situation. And it's it just it comes down to coaching. McCarthy's either going to be able to convince him to try or he's going to be worthless. So... To me, because it's an effort issue and it's not like he's just underperforming or hurt, I don't really give a shit about what he says. His actions are just going to dictate how I feel about him. All right, well said. And you know, ever you know, Amari Cooper. You know, I, unfortunately, it's not you know without the quarterback, it's not his best year. But but Amari Cooper is still you know putting up these great catches. You know, still putting an effort, not making any excuses. And I still I still stand up by what I said. If there was somebody who deserved to be paid, it was definitely Amari Cooper. No, yeah, I'm glad Cooper got his contract, but I mean big deal, like Steady Lamb has looked fine too. If you want to talk about the receivers, let's talk about how Michael Gallup has regressed. He has the worst hands in the league and he's a consistent embarrassment. I think if you're gonna talk about the receivers you can say that CD and Cooper haven't put up the numbers, but they're sort of expected. But Michael Gallup's been dog shit. He's just been embarrassingly bad. It's unfortunate, really, because I had so much hype on Michael Gallup. And you're right. The key word that you use is the correct one. He has regressed. Look, I don't have a proper reason why. I mean, I can just say, uh, I don't know. His hands are garbage. I mean, he has bad hands as a receiver. That's why. See, and at this point, we've proven that, look... I've known all along, there's no way we're going to be able to keep both C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. I mean, so far the choice is obvious between the two. C.D. Lamb is definitely the guy that's going to stay, but it's unfortunate. You know, Michael Gallup, you know, if I'm correct, he leads the league in drops, doesn't he? He's a drop machine. (laughs) Basically, he's one of those guys who is so deeply flawed that even, like, the casual fan can see what his flaws are and how apparent they are. And you see, again, it's not personal. It's about the results on the field, and Gallup is not giving us the results that we need. I mean, he did have a good catch against the Bengals on third and on a, I think it was on a third and eleven. But it's the fact that he's not doing that quite often, it's just not getting anywhere. So well, we're talking we're talking about the whole season. Who gives a shit about one catch in a blow off game? The guy's been dropping big balls all fucking season. So at this point, I mean, it, it, it's fair to say that he won't be staying with Dallas much longer. He's not going to have a job in the NFL unless he's going to move unless he moves the defensive back. No, well, I don't see that happening really. All right, now I got to ask you, like, uh, 
as far as the draft go, uh, goes, who's the player that you think is is the right pick for Dallas in the first round? It depends on the spot. I think that obviously they should target a quarterback, but I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't really know what to do. Oh, I, a lot of people could say like, "Oh, go for the lineman," but that's just like such a depressing answer to me. Because the fact is, we always have to get a lineman, right? It's the same thing every year, right? But, you know, at this point, you know, since we're at fifth, you know, obviously Lawrence is number one, and the Jaguars, from what I'm reading, they're poised to get the quarterback from Ohio State. And there's another quarterback that would be available. Uh, the dude from BYU, uh, Zach Wilson, I, I haven't scouted him yet. I, I need to go and watch his videos and kind of read the reports on him, but... At this point, if we're sitting with Patrick Certain from Alabama, I would probably be happy with the pick. Although I gotta do the same thing with him, and I'm I'm sure you know, and I'm sure this could help too because Trayvon Diggs, who's hurt this year, who's our rookie, is also from Alabama. So I figure if the Cowboys got a secondary player that he played college football with, it would actually help him because he's playing defense with somebody that he's done played with before, and it could actually help. I mean, this is just a thought, but really, there aren't there are no guarantees. Especially with the Cowboys. Yeah, and I think it's just disgustingly depressing to consider the future prospects because the line of, guess what? We have to rebuild the line. That's like a three-year-long process. That means that like all the football we see in the meanwhile is going to be bad. And then once a line finally gets assembled, then you have to find a quarterback. And to me, it's way easier to find a good quarterback and, like, two decent linemen than it is to have, like, five fucking pro bowlers and then that be sustainable. Because, basically, like, the DAC defenders ruined this god-tier offensive line that took years to cobble together. And you're going to see a lot of idiot Cowboy fans over the next couple years be surprised at how just miserable the fucking team is. Exactly. And the fact that you mentioned it takes three years to build, and when it's finally built, it doesn't even last long. You still have to have a quarterback. That That's the real crux of the issue is you can sit there and get lucky and get your quarter or get your line together and hit on guys like Zach Martin and Tyron Smith. But guess what? You still have to have a quarterback, and that's really the crux of the issue. And idiots that defended Dak Prescott have reigned have they've reigned in this era of Cowboys suffering. You know, like in the words of the great Chef Ramsey, you're out of your depth. You're in denial. Exactly. Alright, so as we wrap it up, Bailey, there's three games to go. Quite frankly, you know, like, like I've said, you know, I just hope that we lose out, but... <laughs> Jeez, I mean, sorry about that, but uh, this game against the 49ers, I, on paper, it, it could go either way, but I, I really don't see Dallas winning. Let me bottom line this for you in the audience. It is truly Cowboys fandom, and this game perfectly exemplifies everything about that, that for the first 10 weeks... We saw the Cowboys lose games that they should have won and embarrass themselves in ways so grotesque we thought unimaginable. <laughs> and now when the team needs to lose, it looks like they have a solid chance of winning every game. So it's just extraordinarily depressing. 
from having to replace the line that was essentially the backbone of the team to the disgraceful losses to the wins versus shit tier teams that want to lose. The whole thing just brings me so much shame and disgust, but nothing can match the amount of animosity and hatred I feel when watching that spineless quitter Zeke Elliott, a guy who stopped giving a motherfuck a long time ago and should not be wearing the Cowboys silver and blue. This guy's a disgrace. I mean, it's overwhelming. To think of the disappointment surrounding Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott, overall, it's just so overwhelming because while you and I are not afraid of just criticizing the team, but when the fan perspective of, uh, of ours kicks in, that's when the depression kicks in. That's when the emotions just start flooding in, and then that frustration just builds and builds and builds, and then we unleash it on this show. But hey, that's what makes the show cool, though, right? Well, absolutely. This is a show based around honesty, and this isn't one of those like Nick Wright shows where it's like one LeBron slurping segment into another segment that people can't stand. So really the objective of this show is just to tell the truth about the Cowboys, and much like in the real world, the truth is repugnant and awful, and many people don't want to hear it. So here we are. It's, it's funny. People can't stand to hear the truth, but then again, we're told that people cannot stand a liar. So it's like we've said, they are out of their depth. They are in denial. Well, folks, I'd like to remind you that Cowboys Talk is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Wiley, my friend, it was an honor to have you back on the show, and I certainly cannot wait to have you back on in the future, buddy. Subscribe and like. Easy. Easy. Good night, everybody. Happy holidays.